Yo, what up? It's your boy. I'm back in the building. Mastermind, a.k.a. Ambition the Mastermind, a.k.a. the Smilster. And you are now tuned into Smiley Toes Way, courtesy of Broken Hip Hop Baltimore, courtesy of Hybrid Hospitality, courtesy of Fate of Heart Foods, and courtesy of Last Chance Clothing Company. Yo, what up? It's been a minute, y'all. Um, This is the fifth episode of... Uh, Smileyto's way. Been on a long hiatus. The hiatus is over. Took about a one month hiatus. You know, I got the ball moving really quickly with those first few podcasts. But like I said, life happens. Um, for those who don't know, and a lot of you don't know, moved into a new home. So um, that was a part of the process. And then uh, a couple other transitions that took place. Just you know, dotting my eyes and crossing my t's. But um, I'm back. I'm back in effect, you know, full swing. Um, thank you for everybody who who's tuning in and who has the opportunity to listen to this fifth episode of Smileyto's Way. Thank you to everyone who's listened to at least one of the first four episodes. And um, I got a lot to talk about. First off, bear with me because I'm very parched. You know, um, I got my styrofoam cup to the side of me, but I also have my bottle of water. You know, I'm shots out to Miller High Life, the champagne of beers. <coughs> Ugh. And shots out to essential everyday natural spring waters. So, um, first and foremost, before I say anything, I want to send um shots out and uh, congratulations to Joe Flacco, uh, the former Baltimore Ravens quarterback. Pretty sure everybody knows by now he was traded to the uh, Broncos. And um, I just want to shout him out for everything that he's done in his career for the uh, city of Baltimore, for the the team, the Ravens. Um, Super Bowl MVP, that uh, remarkable run. He had 11 touchdowns and no interceptions. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. Now, uh, with that being said, Shouts out to uh, the ultimate sponsor, my man, Cold World, a.k.a. Robert Coles. He's the reason I'm doing this podcast. Um, just like uh, I've been on a hiatus, some people can call it procrastinating, but uh, us real cats, we call it bluffing. I've been doing a lot more bluffing mm. than Cleon the Comedian. And um, everybody know that's a bluffing ass nigga, no pun intended. But um, shouts out to Robert Coles, Cold World. Um, he always, you know, uh, not always, but at one point when he said, yo, you need to do the podcast, like, yo, you're the black Howard Stern. And I mean, I believed him when I heard it, but like when I heard it, I wasn't really like listening. It's like, like when Beans was like, yo, Jay was like, see you, that nigga couldn't see his vision. Then he drew the picture like a compository sketch. I mean, long story short, yo, cold world. You know what I mean? I, I definitely see the vision. You know what I mean? So we have a lot to talk about, like uh, so much going on in the news with the uh, R. Kelly situation. Then you got the Michael Jackson situation. Black people are outraged because nobody's bringing up Harvey Weinstein and Charlie Sheen and David Blaine is a person whose name I heard was brought up in several, several other people who aren't black. You know, um, 
That's been going on forever, though. If you look at the history of the European culture, not saying it's right or wrong or whatever, and I'm not saying that they aren't targeting black people, black celebrities, whatever. But if you look at the European culture, that's been what they do. They believe in rape and sodomy and pedophilia and homosexuality. Look up the word gymnasium, you know, the the Greek origin of the word, you know, um, Think about uh, the island of Lesbos with uh, Sappho and um, all of that shit, man. Like, real talk. So, um, I don't know why black people are surprised that these non-black people, these Europeans, these people of the Caucasus mountains, you know, of, of Caucasus origins are engaged in these things. And, but, but it's crazy because it's like, oh, they talking about R. Kelly and they talking about Michael Jackson. Well, they niggas. And I don't mean that in a good way. Michael Jackson has an interview where he spoke on how once he outsold the Beatles and Elvis and then acquired their catalogs, not to mention, that's when they started saying he's a weirdo and he's a homo, he's a pedophile, he likes little kids and little boys in particular. He also spoke on of the fact that he looks in the mirror, he knows who he is, he knows he's black. He spoke on the history books and how they're distorted and they don't just tell like half truths. It's just like completely false statements in their lives. They rewrote our history. And I mean, he speaks on this. And this was an interview that took place in 2001 um, and only saw it's, it's something I actually posted on Facebook, only saw, you know, a small segment of that interview. But that small segment, that's what he spoke on. And. I'm going I'm to talk on this situation for a second because um, Oprah, you know, fuck the pictures that she has taken with Harvey Weinstein and also fuck the pictures that Gail has taken with Harvey Weinstein. And people would be so quick to be like, well, those pictures were from years ago. Well, in Hollywood, a lot of that shit that he's accused of and alleged of doing is the norm and is the standard. And just because it's now in the news and on the national forefront doesn't mean that this it's the first time that it's been brought up. You know, um, I mean, whatever though. So um, you look at the, uh, I don't know these guys' names, Robson, Robson, and whatever the other kid's name is. So they both were in court, and this is public record. You know, years ago, they testified in the trial. Michael Jackson didn't do anything. He's awesome. One of them went as far as saying that Michael Jackson was his idol. And once he was turned down to be the choreographer for um, a tribute show, he just flipped his whole tune. I'm not sure which one, but I know it was one of them. Then um, it's just funny how you were in court, you know, under oath. And I mean, excruciating cross-examination. And your stories didn't waver at all. And you guys were so calm during that trial. I mean, granted, you know, you were younger, technically still kids. But now all of a sudden it's like Michael Jackson did all this stuff to you. I mean, he's been dead for almost 10 years and he can't speak out to defend himself. And then there are no laws against defamation of a dead person. So now all of a sudden after being under oath and all this other shit, it's like, oh, uh, Excuse my language, y'all. Pardon me, because I'm trying to work on that. Now, all of a sudden, you're switching your story, and he's just this cruel monster, and this and that, and whatever else. More importantly, here's my thing. 
I'm not sure about the statutes of limitation on rape and child molestation. And I'm and I'm not sure if they vary from state to state, but those are one of those serious crimes that's something like murder. And if these guys are now coming out and speaking out against Michael Jackson, shouldn't they be charged with uh, perjury because they lied under oath? You know, even though this was however so many years, it was probably like 15, almost 20 years ago. Um, when, whenever the, the trial was going on, that was in the early 2000s. But I mean, at the end of the day, that's perjury. I'm gonna call it like I see it. Um, I'm not saying Michael Jackson, Jackson is innocent or guilty. I don't know, I wasn't there. Um, I'm not here to judge his character, especially out of respect for his family and saying, God bless the dead. I'm not gonna speak on, you know, a dead man. And, and that like, you know, whether, I mean, e even if he was alive, who am I to judge? I live in a glass house and my, my gavel is broken, so. I'm not gonna throw stones. Now with the R. Kelly situation, it's uh, a little different. And you have a lot of, you know, it, it's just like with the uh, Michael Jackson situation. Uh, particularly, I'm, I'm speaking on like within the black community, you have a lot of mixed reactions. You have people who are defending R. Kelly. You also have uh, people who aren't defending him. Um, I'm one of those people, um, when there's smoke, there's fire. And this isn't the first incident with R. Kelly. And forget about the whole surviving R. Kelly thing. That was all about money. And for better or for worse, I'm not saying that they were trying to slander that man. Because, I mean, like I said, when there's smoke, there's fire. But that was a whole money thing. But, I mean, realistically, R. Kelly been sick. I mean, we, we knew that when it was found out that he married Aaliyah. And he was already pushing 30. And she was all of 15, 16 years old. Even if she was 18, this is how I look at 18-year-old girls. Because number one, they aren't women. 18-year-old girls. One year ago, you were raising your hand to ask your teacher, could you go to the bathroom? So any grown man, any adult man, whatever, like, you have any kind of interest. Now, if you're 21 and she's 18, okay, 22 maybe, I, I could, you know, see that. But, you know, you're pushing 30 and... You have an interest. I mean, you shouldn't even have an interest in the 21 year old at the age of 30. You know, that's that's a nine year gap. It doesn't seem like much down the line if it was 40 and 31. But either way, like the whole thing with R. Kelly is, you know, the nigga been sick. I mean, we all saw the tape. I remember coming back from California. The day I came back, I actually sat down and watched the R. Kelly tape. This was back in April of 2002. You know, um, what they call um, triple R rated and the R files or whatever. And I went in it with an open mind. Oh, this shit gonna be funny, blah, blah, blah. Side note, you know, um, we watched Peyton Fall first. Shots out to my man T Green, my business partner. You know, whatever. But um, he was like, yeah, you know, you come back from Cali. We're gonna go pick up our paychecks. Watch Peyton Fall, watch the R. Kelly tape. And, um... Another side note, Peyton Ford was like Scarface. Like, that shit motivated a nigga to want to hustle, like, hard. Nigga like, yo, 10 years we gonna have matching Benzes? He was like, man, more like 10 days, man. 10 days. But back to the story, watching the R. Kelly um, tape. And this was before I actually became a parent. And um, my first child was born later that year. It happened to be a son. And thank God it wasn't a daughter, you know, at the time. But either way, like, I got, you know, an ill feeling watching that tape, like, 
at first it's like, all right, you know, you're watching. It's like you're trying to figure out if it's him and if it's not. You know, you're watching it, you're watching it. And by the time it gets to the point where uh, yo, uh, yo urinates on the, on the little girl, um, the one who was supposed to be Sparkle's niece or whatever, like when it got to that point, like that's when I really got disgusted. Here's the reason why. I mean, like to each his own, like if she really didn't want to get peed on, she could have moved out of the way, just like they said on the boondocks. And I'm not even being funny when I say that, but I'm just saying like at 14 years old, you're conscious enough to know what you're doing. Like you're a child, like, so you're prone to make mistakes, but you got too many childs who don't, too many children who lack guidance. And I mean, proper guidance. And they end up making, putting themselves in situations like that. So she shouldn't even have been in that situation and she should have used her better judgment, but she knew better. But more importantly, he knew better. He should have never even targeted her like that. But watching this tape back then and looking at that little girl and watching her move. Now, I wasn't but so old at the time. I was 19. I hadn't even turned 20 yet. I turned 20 a couple months later. <coughs> but I remember watching that video with that little girl in particular and looking at her like, yo, he drugged this little, I, uh, little girl. He, he gave her some, I mean, probably just weed and liquor. I'm not saying like he gave her a roofie, but you can tell that, you know, she was in a different state of mind. But more importantly, like as as a grown man, I wasn't even, I'm not going to say I was a grown man at 20, but as a 20 year old, you know, boy going into manhood, I could look at her and say, yo, that little girl walked like she don't even pee straight. Like she definitely ain't been fucked right. But more importantly, that's a lawyer's ass girl. So I could see that by watching. And so he had to know. Now, I mean, I don't know if that was him on the tape. Once again, I wasn't there, blase, blase. But this is what I do know. At the time, he said that it was one of his brothers. And if you look at both of his brothers, like they don't even, they barely resemble, you know, like their features and stuff of that sort. But, you know, not to the point where you could like mistake them for one another. You know what I mean? But I don't know. I mean, long once again, like when there's smoke, there's fire. And R. Kelly been going through some shit for a while. And if you look at the surviving R. Kelly thing, like whether I, you know, agree with it or not, I did watch it. And you have a lot of people early on, a lot of people who have been in his life, you know, from early on to said the same thing. Like Rob is sick. Rob needs help. Blase, blase. But you can say it all you want, but if you're so close and you care that much about it, why didn't you get him the help after the Aaliyah debacle, you know, which was over 20 years ago? If Rob is or was sick and needs or needed help, and you know that now, why are you just saying so now? Because you're on TV, because you're getting compensated for an appearance, you know? And I mean, some of these people on there were his family. I'm not, I'm not saying he's right. I'm definitely not condoning child molestation, um, any forms of pedophilia, especially because, and I don't speak on this much, but as I've become an adult, I speak on this, you know, I'm able to speak on it. I'm a former victim of abuse from a male relative and then a female relative, but and, and by marriage on the female relative side, need, needless to say, you know, that's not even the topic of discussion. I don't want to delve into a whole nother thing, especially because there's family listen, listening and there's certain family members. I mean, most my family doesn't know most of my blood relatives. 
You know what I mean? Like the first person that I actually told at the age of 23, 24 was my brother Noodles, who was uh, featured um, on the very first podcast. You know what I mean? Shouts out to Noodles. Make sure y'all uh, go to YouTube, listen to that Maryland State of Mind, Noodles. But um, I'm not condoning, you know, any any form of uh, child molestation. Like the dude needs help. Once again, when there's smoke, there's fire. I wasn't there. I do live in a glass house and my gavel is broken, so I won't throw any stones. Um, as a musician, it's one of the greatest to ever do it, especially for a brother who allegedly can't read, not even allegedly, everybody said, like Nick Cannon was saying that shit back when they did Gigolo, like that nigga can't read. But I know a couple of people that can't read and they're very smart, very intelligent because when you lose one sense or one basic element that you're supposed to have, certain other things become heightened, you know, especially if you're not able to read, like you have to be able to memorize pictures and things of that sort. Like if you see a Pepsi bottle, you might not be able to read Pepsi, but you know it's Pepsi. And that's my point. But um, as a musician, one of the greatest ever, you know, he's worked with Michael Jackson and um, I believe Whitney Houston. I mean, I mean, he's written for everyone from, uh, you know, uh, Nick Cannon, B2K, Marcus Houston. Um, he's written songs with and for Cassidy, the hotel joint, you know, um, rappers and um, R&B singers alike. So I'll give him that. Like, but I've been really stopped listening to the nigga music. I stopped listening to R. Kelly's music a long time ago. And then something happened in 2013, 2014. The chocolate fact, not the chocolate factory, Black Panties came out. And I listened to that album. And, oh my goodness, like this motherfucker made me forget that he was, you know, even he, he wasn't convicted in a court of law. So let me say that first. But this nigga made me forget that he was an alleged pedophile. Like to touch them little girls. When that black panties came out, especially that uh put throw this money on you. You know what I mean? The whole joint he had the song with Juicy J, the song with uh two chains, you know what I mean, and, and all the solo joints, but this nigga composes everything. He's a fucking genius. You know what I mean? But he's a fucking sick perv. And that's my personal opinion. I'm not trying to persecute that man or the famous character, but I'll say it again. When there's smoke, there's fire. Mm. Ah, excuse me. I'm very, very parched. It's 1.57 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Live from Baltimore, Maryland. This is Smilito's Way. You are now with the Smilster. Thank you, thank you for tuning in. I'm going to take a slight, slight break. It's going to be about a two, three minute break for me, about a two, three second break for you. We're almost 20 minutes into this podcast. I'll be right back in two and two. No Chuck Willery. Okay, one, two, one, two. You are now back with the Smilester on Smilito's way, courtesy of Broken Hip Hop Baltimore. Courtesy of Hybrid Hospitality, courtesy of Faint of Heart Foods, and courtesy of Last Chance Clothing Company. So, um, in the first segment, we spoke on Michael Jackson and R. Kelly. I'm gonna go a little different, you know, in the second segment, but um, I want to say one thing or a couple things just to uh, piggyback off what was already said. They're going after Michael Jackson, and this guy has been dead for ten years. He has three children. 
all of who aren't like grown grown but they're you know of age like his youngest I think Paris the young with a little girl or she's an adult now and has a girlfriend and blanket whatever his real name is all of them are old enough to be able to watch the news on their own to follow up so they're going into all this stuff about Michael Jackson Oprah did the interview but um why didn't she do an interview with Harvey Weinstein himself a person who's alive and well and who can defend himself and I'm not gonna keep attacking uh, Harvey Weinstein but what about Charlie Sheen a man who knowingly slept with women knowing he had he, he had he was HIV positive you know and it, he was only he only came out because he was blackmailed to do so that's the only reason why it came out and I want y'all to know that but most importantly why didn't she do an interview take a trip to the Vatican and do an interview with the Pope about all the scandal within the Catholic Church. And I went to Catholic school for years. I went to school with a kid who ended up shooting the priest who uh, was had alleged to had molested him. And we were in school together, you know, at the time of the alleged, you know, inappropriate actions had taken place. But when the shootings had taken place, it was, you know, years down the line, we were older. Um, I'm not going to mention his name or the priest's name, but long story short, he was actually getting rid of a gun that he had because he was staying with a relative. They didn't want the gun in the house. So he was on his way to actually get rid of the gun and take it somewhere. I don't know, maybe throw it away, give it to a homeboy, another relative. And he saw this priest. He ended up shooting the priest. Now, the priest didn't die, but um, that wasn't the only allegation that came about, you know, with that priest. Back when we were in school, there were several other allegations. And in that neighborhood where that school and Catholic church were located to this day, you can find people who are old enough to remember. And they'll tell you, oh, yeah, Father, so-and-so, he been, yeah, like, so. But once again, when there's smoke, there's fire. But um, why, why wouldn't she go at the uh, Catholic church? And I mean, I, it's all about money. It's all about capitalism. It's big business. Michael Jackson sells. You know, tabloids are still talking about this. Tabloids still talk about Elvis. And Elvis has been dead for about 40 years, over 40 years now, I believe, since 77 or whenever it was. Like, Elvis has been dead since before I was born. And I'll be 37 this year. But, um, oh, shit. Damn. Excuse me, y'all. I did not mean to curse. In my home, I just tried to prop my feet up on the leg of one of my chairs and I just broke, uh, whatever. But um, on to the next. So we're going to talk about sports for a little bit. Uh, I haven't really been able to keep up with sports just as, as much as I would like to because I work a lot and I work overnight for those who don't know. Um, by trade, I'm a chef, even though I went to school in college, I majored in business, but by trade, I'm a chef through apprenticeship and through years of hard work and dedication. But my job title was cook, and I cook at a hospital, and I cook overnight, but um, I don't get to watch sports a lot because of my schedule. I also had another job that I was working around my overnight job, and I, I left it kind of betwixt and between whether to go back or not, but um. I left the job so I could focus on my own ventures. You know, quick sidebar before we get into the sports thing. 
um, there was a big blow up and misunderstanding between the owner and I. But uh, that's my brother and I love him. And I know he loved me back sometimes, you know, family getting to things like that. You have disagreements and arguments sometimes, but it's not like, you know, what happens is all about the end result, you know, as long as you can get over it. And we're at a point where it's like we try to fit me back into the schedule, you know, where I can. But I'm trying to do my own thing as well. You know, like it's all about having an extra income, you know, especially when, you know, that part time job, you know, it's an extra paycheck every week instead of every two weeks. But um, my kids can't inherit that job or my full time job, but they can inherit my company. That's one of the reasons why I'm up at 204 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on March the 8th, 2019, doing my podcast, because number one, it's like I said, I've been, I haven't done one in a month. Like, yeah, I moved and I work a lot, but that's besides the point. Like people give their lives to these jobs and these companies and corporations and they forget to live. You know, you work all the time. Like I know a lot of women, I mean, not women, but just a lot of people, period, women and men, you know, single and some of them, you know, have mates that dating, married, but they work and they go to school and then they turn up on the weekends. So then it's like, okay, what about your kids? When are you going to spend some time with them? When are you going to incorporate something in them? Like they do what you do, not what you say. So you got to put some of that time in with them. And I'm, I'm just as guilty. You know what I mean? Not that I've, I've never been the type of dad to feel like, oh, okay, I'm just going to give you some money and that's going to be that. Nah, I ain't like that. And not to mention, like, my children are with me, with the exception of my daughter, who's the oldest, and she's grown. She's on her own as children of her own. But um, it's like, I, I live with my children. So it's that much more important. Like, they don't see me just going to work, coming home, sleeping, or on the move, keep working, keep working. If I'm going to be home, like, forget sleeping, I'll be working on something. I'll be at the table working on some blueprints or you know, about to build this new studio. So they'll, you know, catch me working on some new music or whatever. But uh, on the sports, man, I talk a lot. You know, just like my mother, I get it honestly. Shout out to Lady Ray, Lady Ray's Emporium, Vintage Jewelry, um, Tax Time Ventures, get our taxes done, we need our grant proposals, um, anything dealing with business, uh, real estate, you know, we got you. Lady Ray's Emporium, Tax Time Ventures. I know I was crazy. I'm shouting out all these different sponsors throughout the show. And I'm not, it's, it's not about compensation. It's all about networking and making sure like that they're good. Like every sponsor that I've shouted out, like I'm not getting any financial compensation. Two of the sponsors that I mentioned are actually my own company. Didn't even mention on the house music entity yet. But uh, it is what it is. So on the sports, we're going to talk about uh, my beloved Knicks first. Just because they're my favorite basketball team, um, I think the Knicks is the greatest sports franchise in the world, like next to the Yankees. And I hate the Yankees, but like you look at the history, it's just like there's a rich history now. The Knicks history isn't isn't anywhere as rich as the Yankees history. But um, you know what? I think we're on our way back up. Um, as you know, if you've been following, even I, who hasn't been following sports religiously this season, I know my boys suck. We've won maybe 12, 13 games. Um, at one point, we had lost like between 15 and 18 straight. But then uh, I know we had beaten the Lakers one game and lost again. And 
I mean, we, we, we just, we suck, man. We suck like a lady of the evening on a Friday night a lot. But I like what they're doing or what they're trying to do. To be honest, I think Jimmy D needs to sell the team. He, he did the right thing by firing Phil Jackson, and I have the utmost respect for Phil Jackson as a coach, but as, as an executive for a team that's, you know, going to be making moves. The way he treated Melo is why Porzingis left. Even though Phil Jackson isn't there, he wasn't the only one that was treating Melo like shit. And once again, why is it Melo on anyone's roster? Can y'all name 50 players in the NBA better than Carmelo Anthony right now? Matter of fact, can you name 25? I mean, offhand, it seems easy because you'd be like, oh, you know, you got Durant, Steph Curry, Kyrie, uh, Antonio Davis, you got LeBron, you got James Harden, you got... But really sit down and think about it. Dame Lillard. Like, you, you can't name maybe 25, but you definitely can't name 50 players better than Carmelo Anthony right now. And I'm not saying that he's going to take the worst team in the league and give them a playoff push. But for a veteran of his stature, you know, playing in the Olympics, you know, winning bronze and gold medals, he's played in Western Conference Finals, and then just being in the league. He, he won a championship in college in his one year at Syracuse as a freshman. You're trying to tell me that he can't help someone, but it's okay because he's going to go to L.A. next year. Um, back to my Knicks, like, it seems like they're tanking, and I hate the fact that they got rid of Melo. But with everything that they're doing, I'm just hoping for the best because uh, we have over $70 million in, uh, in cap space. With that being said, we can afford two top-tier NBA players. We can bring a, a Durant and a Kyrie in or a Kyrie and a Jimmy Butler, even though I would rather not have Jimmy Butler. We can do some kind of trade, whatever, whatever. And if we tank enough, like... We, we, I think this year the Knicks will be guaranteed the number one pick. And here's why. New York is the mecca of the United States. You know, next to D.C., it's like it's New York and L.A. But New York in particular, like, it's like in the middle of everything, but everyone is there. Like, if you think of L.A., L.A. is on a coast. And New York is on the coast. Like, it's on the Atlantic coast. But if you think of L.A. where, you know, you got... Mexico right there. With New York, you got Canada right there. Like, Canadians aren't, like, breaking their necks to get into the States, eh? You know, they're stuck with their cold winters and maple leaves, hey? No, but uh, realistically, uh, New York is the mecca. And the, the one and only time, well, in recent years, since the lottery, we actually received the first ever top overall pick in the first ever lottery. And in 1985, the Knicks drafted Patrick Ewing. But the Knicks have not been the same since Patrick missed that layup. For my Knicks fans and for my NBA historians, y'all know what I mean. So that's why I feel as though the Knicks are due the number one pick. And we all know that the draft lottery is rigged. We know that. They, they should actually do it how the NFL does it. I'm not sure if the MLB does it, but um, I know the NHL does. And the, and the NFL, you know, worse, worse the best. Like whoever has the worst record, okay, you get the number one pick. The draft lottery just makes it exciting and it's intriguing. And now, because the NBA is such a global conglomerate, they can broadcast the draft lottery on television and capitalize and make money off of it. So from that standpoint, I do understand. But with that being said, and this is where the Lakers come into play. Mm.
excuse them dry parts, bad case of cotton mouth, some damn Newports. Shout out to Newport, spending uh, about $3,000 a year with y'all, and I don't have any sponsorship, but I keep smoking, keep uh, contributing to my own uh, delinquency. <laughs> but uh, now to the Lakers now. The Lakers have been tanking. They've been tanking pretty bad. Um, for starters, shout out to LeBron for surpassing passing Michael Jordan on the scoring list, the all-time scoring list. We know Michael Jordan had two, three retirements, and Mike had 41 with the Wizards those two seasons. Wasn't, you know, the Mike of old, whatever. LeBron passed him. Give the boys props. I need people to stop hating on that man. And I'm not a LeBron fan, especially since he didn't sign with New York in the offseason. I bet you had he stayed east, New York would probably be the number four team at worst in the Eastern Conference right now had he signed with us. But he wanted to go to L.A., whatever. But all that's just scripted. All of it's rigged. You get picked for that. But blaspheme to the to the man who hates that man because he's a freak of nature as an athlete and as a citizen and as a humanitarian. He's one of the most phenomenal human beings. And I spoke on this on a previous episode. But, I mean, he put the whole city of Akron on. The cats he went to school with, he put them through school, got them set up, made sure their game was tight and their game was right. Those guys are now his handlers. Then you think of the school he just built. And of course it benefits the, the students attending, but what about the parents who are able to acquire their GEDs? What about the food pantry? What about the bikes and the helmets that all the children get? What about um, the free college education to the University of Akron, I believe, once you graduate from his school? And it's funny because I want to relocate from Baltimore. And earlier today or yesterday, I was thinking, you know, where could I relocate to and be somewhere where my youngest son could still continue to play football? He's 11, almost 12, and he's a star, but also where he could thrive. And I know, I mean, I cook like that's a trade so I can work anywhere. But you know, to make sure that my, my family is straight, you know, my my wife, my children, make sure that it's not far from, you know, everyone else, you know, as far as relatives and family to get to. And I thought of Akron just because of that school and I could send my son to that school. And I'm pretty sure that sports aren't, you know, I mean, it, it, I'm pretty sure that they have sports programs available, basically. So my son wanted to play football or maybe basketball, even lacrosse even. And I mean, I love Baltimore. I love my city, but uh, it's time to relocate. But back to LeBron and the Lakers, um, they suck. Now, LeBron missed 18 games. Lonzo Ball is still out. Brandon Ingram hurt his shoulder in shoot-arounds the other day before playing the Clippers, which was, you know, mysterious to everyone. So I'm not sure, you know, if it was a nagging injury, you know, that's been going on or, or what. And Kuzma had been in a slump for like three, four games. But I mean, they put that team together like blindly. It's like, okay, Rondo, he got a championship. McGee, he got a championship. Lance Stevenson, he used to get in LeBron air, you know, when he defended him. And JaVale McGee, he's funny and he got a championship. Like, I mean, it's, it's a nice team. And then uh, Michael Beasley, like you see what he did. That lets you know how much tension or whatever was going on in that locker room. For him to just say, just cut me, I'm going to China. Like, really? 
And I'm going to be honest, I don't think it was all about money because I'm not saying that he's like the most financially literate person in the world, but Michael Beasley's got some money tucked away. He played in China and overseas before, but he's been in the NBA for years. He was number two, the number two pick behind Derrick Rose back in what, 2008? But I'm pretty sure he has some money put up. So it wasn't just about the money. Of course, it was the money. Pretty sure he got more money to go over China, but it had to be some kind of you know, disruption in that locker room. And I always, I started looking at it like this. The NBA needs LA to be relevant. And when I say that, they don't need the Clippers to be relevant because, I mean, the Clippers are in LA, but they've always been like, you know, you got the A team and the B team, or you have the, uh, the intramural team. The Clippers are the intramural team of Los Angeles and the NBA. The NBA needs the Lakers to be relevant. And this goes back to to what I said about the draft lottery being rigged. The Lakers are pretty much going to miss the playoffs. Do not be surprised if the Lakers end up with a top three pick. And definitely don't be surprised if they get the number one pick. I've told a few people this already and they think I'm crazy. Like smiles. What the freak are you talking about? There's no way that can happen. Why isn't it? Cleveland got a number one pick. Um, just going back to LeBron when he was drafted, you know, that they got like two or three number one picks since because they took Kyrie, Andrew Wiggins, and Anthony Bennett. And that was three number one picks in about like a four-year span. Because they and I'm, I'm gonna tell you why they knew LeBron was going back to Cleveland. It didn't seem like it then, but now looking back in retrospect, like, come on. They, then they traded Wiggins to get Kevin Love, which, um, you know, that's cool. But I think Kevin Love's career was kind of derailed playing with LeBron and Wiggins' career, not, not taking anything from either player because they, they're both great players. I think Wiggins could have fared better playing with LeBron. I think he would have been a far better player because... Kevin Love is cool. He's a, he, he's a great player, but him in Minnesota versus him in Cleveland, you know, you know, y'all watch basketball. For those who do, like, there, there's a huge difference. And I understand when you go, when you're traded to a team or you sign with the team, especially if that team already has an established star. And that established star happens to be LeBron James. You have to defer. I understand that, but... I, I think they would have fared better with Andrew Wiggins. You know what I mean? Just that would have, you know, gave LeBron a legit, you know, threat where it's like Shorty can do everything. Like he's not the best defender, but he shoots about 45%. You know, I mean, he, he's a slasher, not a great three point shoot. I haven't seen his, you know, percentage numbers this season, but like he can hit a three. He can hit an open three. You know what I mean? And not to mention, his attitude, he's got the, you know, the puts, he's got the puts, he's got the kahunas, you know what I mean? Um, I don't really think Kevin Love has the same amount of kahunas, if any, you know what I mean? Kevin Love, you know, is, is, is a nice player and he's reserved, but Kevin Love's one of those dudes that needs to play in a small market like Milwaukee. And Cleveland actually was a small market until LeBron got there. Once LeBron got there, it was just like, okay, I mean, but 
you know how much money this this man has generated for the NBA over the years? Think about how much money he's earned in his NBA career just from the NBA, not from endorsements and acting and everything else. Like this dude actually has an album that's about to come out with two chains. I'm, I'm pretty sure y'all heard the song that he and Kevin Durant did, you know, um, at, after the NBA Finals last year. Like, um, he, but if you think of the money that he's earned just from playing basketball in the NBA and for the USA uh, men's team in the Olympics, think about how much money that's generated for the league. You know what I mean? For for uh, the world of basketball, for FIBA and or, or, or the Olympic Committee, who whoever's in charge of uh, international sports. That dude alone has brought them billions and billions and billions of dollars. Not, you know, maybe one billion. Because you got to think, watching LeBron in this generation is like watching Mike in our generation. So if you knew Mike was coming to town and you lived in Milwaukee or you lived in San Antonio or you lived in Orlando, it's like, oh shit, Michael Jordan coming to town and you were willing to pay whatever to see him. Didn't matter. It's, It's Michael Jordan. It's the same thing with LeBron James. He's generated billions for all of these franchises for every hike in ticket prices that they were able to do. And for every beer, every extra beer that was sold in the arena and every popcorn that they sold for an extra two to three dollars. And then they sold an extra 300 popcorns because a, a sorry ass team like Atlanta filled their stadium because LeBron was in town got to think about it the NBA needs uh, Los Ange- the Los Angeles Lakers to be relevant again don't be surprised if they end up with a top three pick and don't be surprised if they get the number one pick if they miss the playoffs they mess around and get that pick and still somehow pull off a trade to get Anthony Davis while keeping at least one of these three players Kuzma uh, Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram. Now, um, if I if I were them, I wouldn't touch any of them. I, I'd keep all of them. But you know, it's like you're trying to win now. It's kind of hard because Lonzo Ball has been hurt. Like he got a raw deal his first season. He didn't have the you know the best rookie season in the world, but he had a pretty decent rookie season. Um, if you look at the numbers, like seven assists and seven rebounds and whatever the points were. And I think he was pretty much averaging about that this year. You know, number one, the guy's like six, seven and you can't coach six, seven, you know, like that right there. Like, you know, he's he's a pretty decent on ball defender and he can play the lanes well and he's a good passer. He's not a great passer yet, but he's a pretty good passer. You know, if you look at Gary Payton in his first two years in the NBA, he didn't have like the most explosive numbers. He was adjusting to the professional game. But Gary Payton's a Hall of Famer and an NBA champion. And I think Lonzo Ball has the same potential. It's just, is it in LA or is it elsewhere? Because no matter where, where the boy plays, like he's going to flourish, like he's going to shine. And it's going to come out like, okay, this, this boy can really ball. But. If you, as the Lakers, know you have a chance to get Antonio Davis, but you got to give up two out of the, two of those three players, who do you keep? 
I was kind of hard. Like, I, w- I would say Lonzo Ball, but you got LeBron James and he handles, he does a lot of the ball handling. So then it's like, you got Kyle Kuzma, but then you got Brandon Ingram. You know, Kuzma wasn't a lottery pick, but Ingram and Ball were. So Kuzma would be the easy answer, you know, the immediate answer. But if you look at how he's been playing, like, his, especially like, you know, last year, this year, he's, you know, come along a lot more. But so is Brandon Ingram. And I think Brandon Ingram has got a lot of flack because he's small, he's frail, but he's still learning the game. Kids like 21, like give him a break. He's doing a lot more than what most of you people out here are condemning him about and bashing him. Like you bashing him because he needs to bulk up. Maybe you need to bulk up. I'm pretty sure that dude's in the gym every day. He's in, in the room, you know, watching film every day. Come on now, get a kid a break. He, he's a 21-year-old kid. And he, he can't be dumb because he went to Duke. I don't care if he only went for one year and left after his freshman season. Duke is one of those schools like, you're going to go to class. Not saying that you go to every class, but Coach K is not playing that. And Duke is just a good school academically anyway. So he's not dumb by a long shot like get a kid a break but maybe they trade LeBron it it, it seems crazy but they're no better off than what they were without him last year they finished in 10th place in the Western Conference last year and they were 7 or 8 games under 500 something like that like and if you look at where they are now 10th place in the Western Conference um, we got about 16 games left in the season, but um, they're about five games under, something like that. Whatever it is, uh, something's got to be done in LA. They got to do something, and I think the long-term answer, you know, um, you want to, you know, get rid of a couple pieces, add a few pieces, but you're gonna get Anthony Davis. Go after him. Do whatever you have to do to get him. And sign Carmelo Anthony. That's just what I think. You know, convince Melo. Uh, and if, if you are going to fire Luke Walton, you know, fire, I'm not saying fire him now, but, you know, just let it be known. So, like, you can get that out of the way. Let Luke Walton know now. Like, hey, we got, you know, a month left of the season. We won't be bringing you back. We're going to already start our hunt for a new coach. Because if something comes out, you know, and, and, you, and that's your plan to you don't tell them. And, I mean, you know how it is, man. It's, it's a tricky game dealing with the media. You know, um, you know it's cutthroat out there, man. It really is. Well, 46 and 42 seconds and counting to this podcast. It's now 2.26 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, March the 8th, 2019. You're listening to The Smallster. Smileycho's way, courtesy of uh, Broken Hip Hop Baltimore, featuring us niggas that can't rap in them thoughts that we fucking Baltimore stand up. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning into this episode. I really, really appreciate it. Um, like I said, I mean, you can call it procrastinating. I'll, I'll call it what it is. Kind of been bluffing over this past past month, but I've been handling business, you know. But with these podcasts, I can do it at the you know, right in my hand through the phone. But between moving and just being tired and working, when I'm really thinking about podcasts, like I'm on some more other shit, you know, uh, getting these businesses established and 
buying these properties, you know, ownership, you know, leaving my, my family a will and not a bill. <laughs> and that's what it's all about. By the way, uh, speaking of uh, leaving wills, make sure y'all get some life insurance. Too many people dying. If you get a term policy, term policies aren't good for um, until two years, but they're very cheap. You can get a, a term policy for as low as like five, six bucks a month, no more than $10 a month. Even if it's just like $10,000 worth of insurance, that's enough money to get you buried, cremated, whatever. Get your tombstone in the whole nine. But if you get a life policy, they're available immediately and they're, they're a little more. It might be 30, 40, maybe even 60, 80 dollars a month, depending on your policy, how much you know it's for and what company you're with. But either way, get some life insurance, people. It's the best investment you'll make. It's better than investing in any business. It's better than investing in any drugs, any record label, any restaurant. It's even better than investing in any house or property because people are guaranteed to die. So purchase life insurance for yourself, for your family, for your kids. Make sure you have an executor of your estate. Make sure you leave a will. You know, and um, start some businesses. Go to the state building here in uh, Maryland. It's $150 to start a business. And that's only if you want to expedite the paperwork, you know, immediately. Because it's really only $100, but they drag it out. $150, you get your tax ID number, your EIN number in no time. You look up in seven days, you got a business. But y'all rather buy fake belts, buy ounces of weed, turn up and, and, and things of that sort. But that's all right. That's why I come into play, man. Because our generation don't have, you know, no messiah, no hero. We don't, like this new generation, we don't have no Tupac. We don't have no Malcolm X or no Martin Luther King. We don't have no John Kennedy. You know what I mean? Who Who's going to be the martyr for this generation? All of us got it in us to be a martyr, but nobody wants to. Niggas would rather die for a block that they don't own one piece of property on. But you grew up around there, so you're going to die for that block, right? But guess what's going to happen when you die? That block will keep moving on. And eventually they're going to forget about you. You know what I mean? Who's going to be the sacrificial lamb? Who's going to carry the cross? My Aunt Charlotte told me a long time ago, God rest her soul. She told me a long time ago that I was that person. And back then I ain't believe it, but now I do. So on that note, it's time for me to, you know, take take a stand, take my throne. All right, I'm out. Smiley, a.k.a. The Smilester. This has been another episode of Smiley Toes Way, courtesy of Broken Hip Hop Baltimore, courtesy of Hybrid Hospitality, courtesy of Fame of Heart Foods, courtesy of On The Hush Music Entity, and courtesy of Last Chance Clothing Company. Baltimore, stand up! <laughs>